Welcome to the Stop Down Photography Podcast, episode 88. I'm Scott Davenport. In today's podcast, let's explore photographic style from the point of view of a painter. Hi, welcome. Thanks for joining. I'm glad to be back with you for another chat about photography, this passion we share. And in today's episode, let's take one more step on our never-ending journey of photography. When I talk about photography, I often express ideas in terms of painting. Photography and painting share some characteristics. Both mediums can express a feeling or mood. Both photographs and paintings can be depictive, representing a real, tangible subject, or abstract, disconnected from a physical form. Both can be realistic in color choice or push the envelope of artistic license to its limits and beyond. Thinking about landscape photography, my primary genre, using terms from the painting world, I can loosely categorize photographs on a spectrum from romanticism through realism to impressionism. And understanding where your photography sits on that spectrum, I think that's interesting, perhaps revealing, and a path forward to defining and refining your personal photographic style. So in today's podcast, I pose a question to you. Are you a realist, an impressionist, or a romantic? If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend, share it on social media or with your camera club. And if you can, please rate and review the podcast. Fresh ratings and reviews help other photographers find out about the show. iPhone or Mac OS users, you can do this directly in Apple Podcasts or you can leave a rating via the web at podchaser.com. Links are in the show notes. Let me begin our discussion with this. In my view, there is no wrong or right answer to the question, are you a realist, an impressionist, or a romantic? Your photography is, well, your photography. I pose the question because it is helpful to think about it, to answer it for yourself and your photographic work. Understanding where you land within this spectrum can help you refine your own signature photographic style. We all want to grow and improve as artists, and any path forward needs a starting point. If you don't know where you are on a map, it's hard to chart a course. What got me thinking about this topic in this way is sky replacement. Oh yes, sky replacement. That's a trigger phrase for some photographers. And for the last few years in the post-processing world, it seems that all the tools, Photoshop, Luminar, On1, so on down the line, they have all been touting sky replacement as a feature. And it is prime fodder for arguments around what is quote-unquote allowed for photographers to do. Because a sky replacement means the photograph isn't what was in the landscape. It's not what the scene looked like. It's not real. And that's kind of an odd concept when I think about it. When does a photo stop becoming real? And in the strictest sense of the term, I suppose no photograph is real. It's a two-dimensional representation of a three-dimensional world. But why sky replacement? Why does that strike such a nerve? Replacing a sky isn't photography. It's entering the realm of digital art. Maybe. But most landscape photographers I know, including myself, will enhance a sky, will make the colors more vibrant, or increase the texture in dramatic clouds. 
So enhancing is generally okay, but not replacing a sky? Is it because replacing a sky is replacing such a large portion of the photo? So then smaller replacements are okay? It's okay to clone out distracting elements, like remove people from a scene? And this type of thinking can continue. You, know, you get the idea here. There are certain digital manipulations that cross a line for certain photographers. And perhaps there are even capture techniques like uh, infrared or wide-angle photography that cross a line for some photographers because it stretches or alters what we see in the world to what we can express in a photograph. But back to sky replacement. Why sky replacement? Why is that such a trigger? I think it's because it's a very clear line for photographers. It's a line between what is real and what is digital art. And it's a line that some photographers do not cross with their work. And that's okay. But it returns to the question I pose. Are you a realist, an impressionist, or a romantic? So let's talk about these terms in the painting world, in the art world. Why am I using realist, impressionist, romantic? All right. Now, stipulation. I am not an art major or have a, a deep-seated history or education in art. So for those of you that do, take my definitions and my generalizations with a grain of salt. But I think these do underscore the point I'm trying to make and the thing that I want you to think about with your photography. So, uh, romanticism, let's start there. Now that put importance, that movement of art, put importance on the free expression of the artist. The artist wants to invoke a feeling, some kind of emotion in whoever is viewing their art. And the style of the work served that purpose. Realism was primarily focused on how things appeared to the human eye. And such work was like not an idealized representation of the world like we might see in Romanticism. It really bucked the trend of Romanticism. And then there's Impressionism. This uh, kind of broke the mold, really. The Impressionists violated the rules of academic painting. Quicker brush strokes, almost a, a sketch of something more than an articulate painting. You know, somewhere between Romantic and Realist, perhaps. Again, I'm not that deep of an art student, but I think these ideas are useful to us as photographers. So let's link this to photography. If your work is all about presenting the world as is, you might be a realist. You value a point in time captured by the camera, and you might feel less comfortable with heavy or even moderate digital manipulation of your photos. Maybe you take that into the capture realm as well. You hover around the 50 millimeter focal length because that closely mimics the human eye. This realism approach manifests in the work. Or maybe you're a romantic. You aim to present an idyllic version of a landscape, you know, nature at its most pristine. And to achieve that goal, you'll push color to invoke a mood, or do retouching, or drop in a different sky to suit the feeling desired for the image. Or maybe you're somewhere in between. The initial capture is raw material. It's an asset. It's taking a sketch with the camera, an impression of the scene, and then we refine it later. The refinement happens in post-processing. 
and something emerges that is within the realm of believability, but short of an idealized scene. And of course, you could float anywhere along that spectrum. You might gravitate toward realism for certain types of work, certain types of photos, and maybe to romanticism for others. It might all depend on the nature and the subject of the image. So knowing where you are within this spectrum, I think it's worthy of some thought. It can orient you, give you clarity of direction. Knowing the tendency of your work suggests an area of focus, you can study the work of photographers that create those types of photos. It can help explain why you feel comfortable with certain photo manipulations or why others are outside of your comfort zone. Maybe it suggests a different style to explore, to branch into, to migrate towards, shaking your photography up a little bit. Are you a realist, an impressionist, or a romantic? You may be one. You may be all three. Any and all of them are fine. Thinking about my own landscape work in these terms, I lean toward romanticism with impressionistic tendencies, I guess I'd say. I almost am never a realist with my work. I tend to view the capture stage of my photography as gathering an asset. It's a sketch of a scene. It's raw material. There is a story that prompts me to capture that image. However, it's an impression. Its final form has yet to be determined. And my landscape work is also not photojournalism. I'm not documenting a landscape to be able to compare it in 50 years to see how it's changed or to just capture it. This is the state of said subject at this time. I want my photos to look beautiful, or at least beautiful as it serves to the scene. It doesn't have to be idyllic. A storm can be beautiful. Dull gray fog can be beautiful. Anyway, I don't have qualms about pushing color, skewing white balance, manipulating tonality. I do these things in service of the story I want to tell with a photo. My aim is to create a mood, to tell that story, and that's the romantic part. I tend to pull short of sky replacements these days more because part of the game of landscape photography for me is seeking those moments when nature reveals how beautiful it is. And those moments are infrequent. Yeah, I could create them in the digital darkroom, but for me it's just a little less fun. So in the end, I strive to make an image that lands somewhere within the realm of possibility it's believable. There can be an idealized aspect to it, a romanticized quality. But the scene isn't pushed so far as to be unfathomable in the real world. And it's a fun line to walk, and I probably cross it from time to time. Now, pulling on this thread a little further, could we extend the spectrum beyond romanticism, impressionism, and realism, you know, farther over to one end, like, you know, past the romantic, uh, maybe like the fabricator, uh, creating a story of a photo completely, or at least mostly, in the digital realm. Compositing jumps to mind, like making a movie poster or an otherworldly science fiction kind of scene, maybe for a book cover. I read this interesting article over on the Washington Post, and 
it was uh, about photo manipulation and it was uh, the title of the article is do these photos look real to you your answer could be cause for concern and that's terrifying okay a little clickbaity on the title but reading into the article it goes through uh, a photographer's new book about a uh, town of uh, Veles and i think it's in the Maldives no it's in the north macedonia here we go i'll put a link in the show notes to the article but what this uh, photographer has done is they took photos of this town, but then augmented the photo with fake people, just artificially created people that were inserted into the photo so he could tell a certain story. Now, this photographer was very upfront about doing this, but it's an interesting thing to think about. And uh, I guess for creating a piece of art, I don't have a problem with that. It's different when you come to photojournalism, but it's one of those articles that's that's worth the time to read and have a look at because it is around this thought process, this uh, this deciding where you are comfortable with the work that you create. And I wonder if we could push the spectrum in the opposite direction, like past uh, realism into hyper-realism, pushing the painting analogy there was a painter in the mid-1700s, I think, George Stubbs. He painted horses with extreme accuracy. Muscle tone, bone structure, the ratio of the anatomy, all things could make as accurate as possible. I want to say he was a painter that had constructed a set of rails with a, you know, with a, with a car on it so he could roll the cart and follow the horses while he was working on them to see exactly how their muscles moved while they were in motion. I might have that part of it wrong. My memory's fuzzy on that a little bit. But could that be applied to photography? Is like hyper-realism? Mm, maybe. A camera that captures more detail than we would normally see. So the detail captured by the camera would be more real than what our eye can see. Uh, you know, pixel shift cameras do this with that extreme high megapixel capture, or heck, maybe this is macro photography. In post-processing, uh, extracting more detail that wasn't initially visible, like super resolution or things like that. Or does this kind of bend back into impressionism or romanticism? You know, the capture isn't really what we see. It's kind of like a sketch and the technology or the tools make a final presentation. So maybe instead of a spectrum from one end to the other, not from like left to right, maybe it's a circle or a wheel where the lines are blurred between these ideas. And you don't have to pass through one portion of a spectrum to get to another. You can cross-connect like a color wheel. I don't have to go from red to orange to yellow. I can go from red directly across the color wheel over toward blue. But I find these thought exercises to uh, be fun. They're, they're fascinating. They're thought-provoking. And they're good for the artistic mind. Just figuring out where you sit in this vast space that is art and photography. And it uh, reminds me of one of the first episodes of this podcast. Episode 11, Truth and Photography. If you haven't heard that one, I'll put a link in the show notes. In brief, I talk in that podcast about how somewhere in every photo, the truth is distorted. Sometimes it's a little, sometimes it's a whole lot. So maybe 
there's a bit of romanticism or impressionism in every photo we capture. A little bit of studio news. I will be heading to the Oregon coast next week to host a couple of workshops, and I do intend to post one, if not two, podcasts while I'm on the road. We'll see how that goes, how much downtime I have in between. Uh, I do like to make good notes for the podcast before I record them, Uh, but if you do notice a little different sound to it, that will be the explanation. I'll have recorded it on the road. Uh, that is the plan there. And oh, I am really looking forward to some uh, dedicated, focused time with my fellow photographers out in the field. So uh, that is going to be a good time. And if you're following me in the other spaces, my website and YouTube, you can guess that, yeah, there'll be a lot of Oregon-type photos showing up in my feed for the next several weeks. Uh, I hope you enjoy them. And before I sign off for this week, thanks again to everyone that supports this podcast through comments, reviews, shares. Very, very much appreciated, especially to the members of our Patreon community. It is your pledges that make the podcast possible. It fuels the engine of the show, keeps it on the air. So thank you very, very much for your continued support. If you're interested in learning about the Patreon community or other ways you can support the show, check the show notes. There's a link there. Or if you're on the web, every page of stopdownpodcast.com has a support the show button. There's many different ways you can support the show. Lots of them are zero costs. So anything you can do to help promote the show, I would very much appreciate it. And that is going to wrap it up for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you take some time to think about romanticism, realism, impressionism, figure out where your work might land, might give you some insights about something new to try or something to dive deeper into. And if you have thoughts or revelations as you're doing that, feel free to share them with me. There's a contact form on stopdownpodcast.com. Messages come straight to me, no robots. And until next time, my name's Scott Davenport. Have fun.